by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It has been a very eventful 2023 so far. The hunting season's underway, and we'll be getting into the rifle seasons in just a couple of weeks. And Janet Millick is in with us again today. And Janet, uh, not only have things been fired up in the, the woods and outdoors, but the waterways of Wyoming have been rocking in 2023. And a lot of it is because it is that fantastic crossover where you can be in the field, but you know, if the day's kind of a little bit hotter than it should be, you can jump back out on the boat and get into the water. And and so, you know, things are still trucking for all of our um, programs, both terrestrial and aquatic. And today we have Eric Hansen here, our AIS or Aquatic Invasive Species Coordinator, here to talk with us about um, you know, how things are going um, at the end of this season and what people can expect. You know, Eric, one thing I'll say is last year when we had you in toward the in middle to end of fall, it was still up in the air. There were people that were, you know, a little worried about what was going to happen with AIS in 2023. And I think that you guys were able to come to the conclusions and make the preparations so that really people weren't set back at all when they were getting out on the water this year, starting in the early spring. Exactly, Drew. Um, you know, you mentioned last year and looking at what we were looking and doing last year compared to now seems, you know, quite a bit different and there's a lot less panic in the air. So that's a, a good thing that people are still out and enjoying everything. But, you know, we had that time over winter to really sit down and think about the best approach uh, to protect our waterways and, you know, we've always had kind of a hybrid approach where we're at the borders and at some waters, but um, really catching folks at the border coming from out of state is uh, the biggest risk. And, you know, adding those new check stations this year in Newcastle and Manville um, really helped highlight that. Do you think people now grasp onto the concept that getting your AIS inspection is not a long process, even come across the border, you know, I mean, you stop in and it's a 10-minute, maybe 15-minute uh, stop. Yeah, and really, I mean, you know, if you're coming from a low-risk area and, you know, especially if you're just moving within waters in Wyoming and we can do a pretty quick inspection on you, yeah, it's a, as quick as a stop as you can make it. You know, we definitely have uh, folks that like to hang out and ask some questions and find out some information about what's going on in the field, so we always welcome that, but... Uh, if you're looking to get in and out quick, I mean, three to five minutes, uh, if we got to decontaminate your boat, um, typically we can do those pretty quick as well. So, And some of the new check stations that you did put in this year, they they really had a great success level, didn't they? They did. And, you know, a lot of it was kind of what we expected. We didn't see large numbers of boats hitting those check stations, especially being new and, you know, folks not recognizing that they were there and getting the word out. But um, the watercraft that we have been inspecting there have proved to be, you know, a higher risk to our waters. And we've had a lot more uh, decontaminations and, you know, getting those boats clean so that when they head to Wyoming waters, they're ready to launch. And just as a reminder, Drew, to listeners, in case they're new or missed all of the drama from last year, um, our neighboring state, South Dakota, 
um, you know, it was about this time of year when some of the boats, boats started pulling off and they, they were found to have zebra mussels. And so that's a huge threat to us. And it was only 60 miles away from our borders. And so we really became concerned very quickly. And so some of these check stations, like Eric is talking about, you know, we were concerned about Glendo. Um, we installed the one in Manville and then in Newcastle to try and catch some of those boats that, um, you know, come from South Dakota waters and might have standing waters on their boat and so on and so forth. And so, um, you know, it was a good way to handle it. I'm glad we had the winter for those folks that got to uh, spend some time last winter with us. Remember that the check stations were open till December 19th at Glendo. It was unreal. Do you feel that 2024 will move a little smoother than maybe a rough start in 2023? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I don't, you know, I wouldn't say it was necessarily too rough of a start in 2023. Um, you know, we got check stations open pretty early and, you know, we'll be keeping a lot of those check stations open through November as well to help, you know, get people that need an inspection, uh, an area that they can get that done. And really, you know, looking at the numbers so far this year, we're having our busiest year AIS wise that we've had. And, you know, we even beat the pandemic year this year. So um, I'd like to think that, you know, we're getting to where we're a pretty well oiled machine and try to get folks in and out. And hopefully we're doing the absolute most we can to protect our waters as long as we can. Now, Eric, with the situation that we were in, Throughout the summer, was there really any situations that arose that you had to actually um, quarantine a boat or anything like that? Um, yeah, thankfully, you know, we don't necessarily have to uh, quarantine a boat unless there's live mussels found on it. So if it's something that we can clean pretty quick, um, sometimes, you know, that can be a, a, a day or two process to get them out if it's a large watercraft. But um, we continue to catch boats with uh, evidence of mussels on them at um, all of our check stations. We even had our first one at Manville this year as well. So um, it's just a reminder to folks, you know, if they're coming to visit family or something and they were last uh, hanging out on the Missouri River, or the Mississippi River, you know, there's a good chance something could be in your boat and you just don't realize it. We've talked in the past, Eric, that, you know, it's a simple procedure to clean drain and dry. And I mean, really, it doesn't take much time to do that either. Absolutely. You know, and it's something that we practice even with our watercraft moving from water to water within our state. And that's just cleaning, draining and drying your watercraft. It really goes a long way to ensure that anything that is aquatic is, you know, not going to be viable to live once it gets here. So if you're doing those steps, um, typically an inspection is going to go pretty quick because, you know, we're worried really about any water, what that could harbor. So if those compartments are dried and cleaned, um, you're going to have a pretty quick inspection and get on the water and have fun. Will we see any new check stations in the next year? Um, currently, I don't know of any on the books, but um, we're always looking at new locations. Uh, there's definitely some areas that we do recognize that would be helpful to have a check station there. So just figuring out the logistics of, you know, having someone out there in the middle of nowhere that can catch the few dozen boats that come through on that road a year so. Um, but we're always trying to find areas, even if it's local businesses that we can partner with to uh, get availability for inspections for folks. 
And one thing that's come up in conversations is Game and Fish offers the opportunity for people to come and learn how to do the inspections on their own. And what kind of a process is that? It is something that come spring, you can come to a training at the Wyoming Game and Fish Department um, here at the regional office and spend a couple hours with Eric or some of his crew members. And they will teach you how to do an inspection on your boat, what to look for, where to look for it, because some of that stuff we don't think about in some of those hidden compartments. And then you can be certified as a private inspector. So you are good to inspect your buddy's boats. You are good to inspect your own boat. But one of those things that you do need to remember is, is that's not a way to bypass the check stations, right? It's not a way um, to be like, ah, I don't have to follow these rules. Um, but it is a way to make sure that you're doing it um, for yourself. You're doing it accurately and effectively. And it is a huge help for you personally. But you still want to do the right thing and save Wyoming's waters and make sure that you're checking all of those um, dots as well. Over the last few years, AIS has really been in the forefront, the forethoughts of lots of people. And I know you guys have a bunch of stats over the last few years. Is there anything that really stands out to you? The number of boats on the water, absolutely shocking. Um, you know, we we talk a lot about um, the pandemic and and what that did for a lot of the outdoors. And everyone keeps thinking that those numbers are going to decline. But as Eric alluded to, that is not necessarily the case here in Wyoming. People continue to, um, you know, purchase boats and use them. And, and we talked earlier this summer about how, you know, just one day out of the entire summer, we registered 18 new boats here at the Game and Fish office, which is where you come and get the numbers and those sorts of things. And so, yes, it is continuing with popularity. And um, Eric's got lots of numbers he can um, shout out at you for, you know, the number of inspections that we've done to date. I think we just got the, the August numbers back. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the numbers for this year, you know, we've already inspected over 60,000 boats statewide um, last year for an idea, and that's running all the way through December at some check stations, we had about 56,000 total. So, you know, we're and we're still in nice weather range. Um, looking at the extended forecast, the, the gardens are loving it, and I imagine that everyone still wanting to get out and play in the water are loving it as well. So we got some Nice warm temperatures still in the horizon. You mentioned 60,000 boats to date in 2023. I mean, that's an, an outstanding number. When you do an inspection, do you mark whether it is a fishing boat or a play boat or a kayak or, you know, a tube? Or are they all generalized under the same category? Nope, we do. We categorize them into um, motor type. So whatever propulsion system they have is what they get categorized into. So typically, you know, we can deduct from that. Most outboards are usually your fishing vessels. You know, most of your inboard boats are going to be uh, jet boats or things like that that um, are for skiing and wakeboarding. So, so it really seems over the, you know the, the last couple of years there have been a lot of fishing tournaments and a lot of uh, anglers that have been, come up from. Uh, Nebraska or Colorado or South Dakota to come in the state and do you find that the anglers are sometimes the bigger problem than the the playboats? I wouldn't say that any you know particular user group is a problem um, really it's just comes down to education and I do tend to see that um, 
our fishing community tends to be more educated in, you know, what the threat is to the water and specifically the resource that they enjoy, um, which is fishing. But um, it is a good reminder to everyone, though, that these are more than just damaging to a fishery. They're going to be damaging to the entire infrastructure. So um, in terms of user groups, though, I think everyone's kind of starting to get the, the bigger picture and realize that this is a, a nationwide and an everybody problem. And Drew, if you think about it, that's really logical because a lot of our constituents that we have access to, of course, are the folks that hold fishing licenses. And so that's an easy way for us to communicate and educate. And, and so that's that's an easier reach for us as the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. But it is a little bit more difficult to maybe meet, you know, reach some of the wakeboard users or or those sorts of kayakers who are maybe doing other activities. And so, you know. We just ask people to continue to help educate your neighbor and talk to friends and family and and hopefully someday we'll be able to reach everyone and and keep as many invasives out as we can. And of course, as always, if you have questions, wgfd.wild.gov or contacting the Game and Fish Regional Office here in Casper is a great way to get that information. And I think things look bright for uh, for the rest of this year and next year as far as people getting out on the water and taking it seriously. That's right. Absolutely. And Eric will be out there as well throughout the fall, running all the samples on the waters. So we will keep you posted as we hear what uh, those results are, but hopefully good news across the board. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Drew sitting alongside Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And we're looking at rifle seasons here in just a couple of weeks, Brian. And some have opened up along this state and different areas. So you got to check your regulations because it changes every year. And Game and Fish has done a good job of, you know, giving us access to those regulations <laughs> now because, you know, last year and the year before it's been kind of rough. But now we're getting to that point. A lot of guys are out doing archery, but still you're a little closer to rifle. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you uh, haven't uh, pulled that gun out of the uh, case and, uh, Kind of check, make sure that uh, everything's in good shape from last year. Uh, now is the time to get it out, make sure that it's still sighted in, get up there to Stuckin' Offs or over to the Wyoming Gun Company and, uh, you know, get that get that done. Yeah, we were talking a lot about optics today just before we uh, we went on. And, you know, you guys have a full range of, of optics, from whether it be scopes for your rifle or, you know, new binos or, you know, even... Uh, range finders you, you got it all yeah and if you just want to knock it out with a range finding binocular even better yeah <laughs> i mean you know and it's fun to think about the way that it all goes because you know you're talking to a customer not long ago and he's like well i i really have liked this brand for a long time and then you say well this one's comparable and about half the price and right. you know i mean that's what you guys do here you're not out to to gouge people you want to make sure they get exactly what they need yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably going to talk to you and see, like, how far do you want to shoot? You know, what type of reticle do you like? You know, do you want illuminated reticle? Do you want just a BDC crosshair? Um, we're going to try and put you in something that you want at a price that you want. Uh, that being said, though, we're also, you know, not carrying, like, the cheap stuff that you're just right. getting getting from China, per se. We're, you're going to get name brand stuff. You're going to get Leopold. You're going to get Burrish. You're going to get Vortex. Uh, we've, got, we've got Night Force. Um, we're going to have quality quality optics that you're, you're going to be happy with in the long run. And as soon as this customer in particular 
decided on the scope, Jesse had it and was running out the door <laughs> to uh, to install it and put it on because you guys are full service when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, when a person wants to buy a new scope, you know, it's not it doesn't fall back into your own hands. Like you don't have to just go home and try to fight it out and right. try to figure out what's going on. And a scope that's improperly mounted can be damaged. I mean, you can uh, put too much. Uh, torque on those on those rings, and you can break the internals of the scope. So you know we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we level that scope. We're gonna torque it down to specs. We're gonna uh, sight it in for you. We're gonna bore sight it anyways, and that's gonna get you on paper at 25. And then from there, at least you're not just you know willy nilly throwing a bunch of ammo down a down a range. Right, and that gets expensive. You've put money into a firearm and your optics, and when you know ammo is not the cheapest it's ever been at this point so no but it is becoming a little more available so i mean unfortunately there's still certain calibers that are a little bit tough but you know you may not find the exact you know maybe you shot the uh the core locks for your your entire life well you may have to go to a a a different uh hornaday or winchester but if you were shooting 185 grain 30-06 we're probably going to be able to find 180 grain 30-06 you know in a different manufacturer right you don't have to be so brand specific and you know i mean sometimes it it, you know, it's it's good. If you find a good pair of boots that you like, you're going to try to stick with that boot. But. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, unfortunately, I mean, just the way the way things are, I mean, we've a lot of manufacturers have, you know, just because they can't get parts and pieces and uh, the raw materials to, to make the, the bullet that the way they used to make them, that's becoming tough for them, too. So they're having to change, um, you know, some of their formulas. Uh, formularies and even on you know what powder they're using in a bullet which doesn't necessarily say on the outside of the box but it's going to change the velocity and maybe your uh, ballistic coefficient and it's going to uh, affect some sighting but you know if you're shooting a 180 grain bullet it's probably going to shoot real similar but it definitely want to get out to the range and, and test that well also i mean we still we're only halfway through the month so there's still archery season let and you were telling me last week that the raven crossbows were were going out you guys have a whole lineup of of bows just mm-hmm. regular compound bows and you guys help get those ready to go yeah too. in fact we're setting up a new compound bow for a customer today but uh yeah we still have the full full uh, selection of raven crossbows i mean everything from the r5 all the way up to the r500 um so uh we've got those sighted in we've got them chronographed here at the store uh we're pretty much you're gonna walk out of here with a you know real confident a 20 yard shot for sure um, and then just a little bit of practice, you know, you're going to be able to get that out to some distance. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the last half of archery seasons, you know, kind of kicked off. Uh, we had a little bit of cooler weather, weather this last week, and that's really kind of getting people in that mood. You know, I, I noticed I had leaves in my backyard. So uh, when that starts happening, you know, that, that cooler weather usually gets those elk uh, pretty pretty excited. Now, you didn't just go shake the tree so it came down and goose I, season I'm got not, here quickly, I'm not right? going to lie. Maybe it was hail. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> It was, you know, who knows with this weather pattern, but I, I did notice some, some different color leaves uh, on the ground, and uh, that just means I got to start raking. Right. So. Oh, yeah. Nothing. No, no one likes that one, especially when you have duck and goose season coming up, too. And, you know, we talked about the rifles part of it and how you need to get your rifle sighted in and everything. But this is past weekend. We were out getting goose blinds, you know, yeah. fixed yeah. up and ready to go. Yeah, we pulled the, all the blinds out of the trailer and uh, kind of got it cleaned up, swept up and uh, did a little repair work on them and uh, you know I think the blinds are looking great you know and last year I didn't have the opportunity to didn't have the time I ran out of time and then we just started hunting and 
so yeah, if you can put a little extra time and effort into it, um, those blinds that I have, I haven't really done much with them for the last six years. So they were time. I think we used uh, 600 zip ties or yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh, you just, know, and, and ideas and, and thinking like that and thinking ahead, you know, you got two weeks to, to prepare. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even if it is something where you need to come in here to Rocky Mountain Discount Sports and, and load up on, you know, ammo or a new rifle or a new shotgun, and you've got a lot of shotguns that are really popular right now. Yeah, you know, uh, the Benelli's um, are my personal favorite. I own a bunch of different ones, but uh, the Benelli's, to me, I mean, they're a little more expensive, but they just, man, they just seem foolproof. And, you know, we're, we're rolling around in cornfields and weather conditions that aren't necessarily the best, uh, and, and I don't take the best care of my guns sometimes, and uh, they seem like they're just flawless. I mean, they're always running, and um, I'm real excited. We've been, we've been uh, shooting 28 gauges a lot lately. They're super comfortable. They're lightweight. Uh, we're, we're loading uh, tungsten loads for them, and... Uh, that uh, has been very effective on ducks and geese. So. You just mentioned the loading and reloading. How how are you guys set up now with uh, product for that? You know, on the rifle side of things, um, we're, we're doing pretty well. We're still struggling with um, a few different uh, flavors of powder. Uh, the, the Retumbos, the H1000, some of that kind of stuff has still been a little bit of a challenge to get. Uh, we have started to see a few more primers come through. Uh, the Magnum rifle, the um, large rifle, uh, we've been seeing a few. They kind of go in and go out as fast as we get them. Uh, so uh, hopefully that's starting to loosen up where guys are going to be able to get back and, and uh, do their own you know, custom loads. We don't, we don't really ever do anything with shotgun shells. Um, I think we have some wads, but that's about it. Uh, the lead shots, you know, awfully heavy to, and, and expensive to ship. So uh, we haven't really found the best way to get around that. But uh, yeah, for the most part, if a guy's getting ready to start reloading, we've got uh, everything from the basic, you know, starter kits to get you going to, you know, take care of all your needs. All right. Get out here. Check it out. Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Don't go out in the field unprepared. Be prepared. Stopping by here. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Brian and Drew back at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, and, well, they say fishing may be done for the year. I don't know who says that. Who says that? <laughs> Quitters. <laughs> you uh, you proved everyone that the fishing is just fine right now at Glendo. Well, uh, I had the opportunity to get on the water for a few hours, and, um, yeah, the the typical traditional water levels uh still dropping and the spoon bite and uh, jig and wrap bite is uh still doing pretty nice all right now i saw a post from uh uh the marina that they're gonna stop with the getting rid of water and start letting water kind of fill back in saw the same post where they're supposed to put the plug back in and uh we're gonna start seeing the water levels come back up so so obviously we're still maybe uh, three months, two months from from ice on, and I like your thinking. <laughs> well, we're positive thinking right now because you just mentioned uh, a while ago to me that we need a break. Yeah. A lot of a lot of wind and a lot of rain and a lot of snow and a lot of ice. But uh, once it, it ice is over, the fishing there at, at Glendo and all the other reservoirs is still kind of it's fun. Yeah. And when they stop the water levels from going down and kind of let it start coming back up a little bit, does that really help at all when it's iced? Or 
Uh, well, it just that's just kind of what happens on these reservoir systems, right? They're using them primarily for flood control and for irrigation. So all summer long, they just kind of drain, drain, drain. They, you know, pushed a bunch of water out just for some silt runs uh, below Guernsey. So that's just kind of typical transition of what happens down there. When the water comes up, uh, you know, you might find some fish moving a little bit shallower. You know, that's kind of that kind of what traditionally happens. Um, but you know, right now, uh, I couldn't believe the amount of minnows that were down there. And so I wasn't seeing, I didn't get on the, on the main lake, uh, of the, the big body of it. And I didn't spend a lot of time up there, spent a lot of time towards shore. And a lot of times you'd see those big bait balls of shad. And we had talked you know, in a few ep- episodes a while ago that, um, you know, the game and fish kind of felt that they lost a lot of their adult shad last winter because of the amount of time that the ice was on the lake. Um, and so I wasn't seeing the big balls of bait fish, but I did definitely see a bunch of bait fish jumping. So uh, it's definitely a minnow kind of bite. Um, if I was going to go down there, you know, it's going to be a jigging wrap. It's going to be some uh, spoons. Uh, Hutch's spoons is my favorite. Uh, Castmasters and that type of presentation works as well. Crippled herrings, the old school stuff like that. Um, and that's the bite. It's going to be kind of a, a jerking reaction where you're letting that thing hit the bottom and jerk it up. And those fish are just thinking it's a dying shad and they're just pinning it to the bottom. So sometimes you have to go through some colors to see what color they want. But uh, for the most part, uh, that bite uh, is good now and should be good all the way up to ice on. Now, the fish you caught was an impressive and you said it may be the biggest at Glendale you've ever. Uh... I, I think it is the biggest fish I caught down there. I mean, I've caught a lot of, you know, 25 and 27 inch fish, but this one had to be pushing pretty close to 32 inches. Wow. And um, I actually, uh, I didn't put a ruler to it and I don't know why I didn't. But we got it back in the water as soon as we, I, I had a new, um, I had a new Bubba scale. And oh, this yeah. Bubba scale, um, it'll it'll record every fish that you catch, and it'll also give you a, tr- a track of, of where you were at on the lake. So I was just playing around with this thing, you know, all day long, you know, weighing a bunch of fish and and marking them and just just seeing how that how that scale worked. So I got that big fish. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put a scale to it, and it was like 8.6 pounds. It was pretty pretty long and pretty skinny. Um, but it was probably the longest fish that I've ever caught down there. It, it had to be 31, 32 inches. Wow. And so, and you know, obviously you, you catch something like that and gives you a little more incentive to keep going out and you want to keep going out and keep going out. And I mean, are you going to get to go out and be more? Or? I don't know, Drew. Hunting season's coming up too. It's like we got too many hobbies, we, you know, it's, uh, and then we still, you know, you and I got an elk we got to go kill. Yeah, and, right. Uh, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to plan all these fun activities. So, you know, if the weather's super nice, where maybe it's too nice for waterfowl hunting, maybe we'll head back down to the lake and uh, get a, a few more fall trips in. Well, there is time to get here to Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. If maybe you want to go out and try that fall fishing, get in here and check it out. And get ready because it's busy, busy, busy. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And we're back on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Chad Griffin is with us from Irreverent Warriors. And, Chad, we appreciate you coming in. And, man, uh, we met out at uh, Bob's Place out of yep. Riverbend. And, <laughs> That's a uh, blast. Did some shooting and uh, just kind of kicking around and, and chatting. And it's always fun to to see groups like HD Outdoors get together and bring the veterans in and that's kind of what you're doing here with, you know, the Irreverent Warriors. Yeah, well, Irreverent Warriors have been around since 2014, 15. Daniel Malley, who started the organization back in San Diego, 
he was sitting on the beach with a couple buddies. He just lost his best friend to veteran suicide. Hmm. And uh, they're sitting on the beach going, what can we do? Danny was a partier back in his high school days before he went to the Marine Corps. And he always had a gift to getting people together. So that kind of kicked off Irreverent Warriors back then. And today we're 100 plus cities that we're in all around the nation. Our motto is we use humor and camaraderie to improve mental health and prevent veteran suicide. We do a lot of get-togethers. We try to get people together, you know, every once in a while. We don't do meetings. We don't do, you know, the typical veteran stuff. We want to use humor and camaraderie. Kind of like you've seen out there at Bob's place. Yeah. That's the second time I'd been out there, and I knew none of those guys, really. kind of We kind of BSed a little bit, but, you know, there was no real introduction, and we're still giving each other crap. And that's just the veteran community. We know each other. Some of us might have seen some pretty horrible stuff and might have had to do some horrible things in life overseas or in the service. But you get around each other. You feel safe. You can use that humor that only veterans know. I mean, I mean, even if you weren't in a wartime, you, you know what these guys have gone through mentally just to get to, to where they were. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that that's what a lot of these organizations do for these vets. You know, if one doesn't work, there's another one that you can fit into. And you probably see a lot of the same guys at a lot of these organizations. Absolutely. I mean, you go up to the VFW, you see the same 20 guys sitting up there drinking old fashions and, and <laughs> the good drinks. And you realize that they got a camaraderie. They might not talk much to each other, but knowing you're around the veteran community. So we need more of those organizations that are like, hey, come out here. I mean, thanks to Brian and all those guys at Rocky Mountain Sporting Goods. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. It doesn't cost you a thing to go out there. It costs you a gas yeah. to go out there. Yeah, and you can shoot. They shoot clays and get together and eat and oh, just yeah. kick back I mean, and relax. You, you were out there when we were yeah. all BSing, and, you know, Bud was brand new out there, and I, uh, I think he had a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, it's just you don't realize those guys are around here until you take that risk and you go do something. I'll tell you what, I like to shelter in place. I come home from work, I go to the gym, I come home and I do nothing. Right. Well, and that's where out the outdoors comes in a lot with, with guys. You know, if it's hunting and shooting or even out hiking and, and rucking, then that's yeah. what Irreverent Warriors really is, is just a, a chance for guys to get out and, and ruck. We just want to get out. Once a year, we'll have a hike, you know, a little eight, 10 mile walk through town and let the veterans show off. You know, this week was 9 11. We got to remember that these guys coming home from war and overseas deployments, they've seen some stuff that we don't know about and we never will. And only veterans can get together and share that experience with each other and understand fully. The number of men and women that we lost over the last 22 years, uh, because so many people on September 12th were like, I'm in, I'm, I'm yep. going. And that, that's where a lot of folks you know, came in. And you know, like you said, so many have gone through so many different things. And, and now that you are doing irreverent warriors, I mean, you guys are going to do this kind of every year, an honorary day for the, the veterans and for them to get out and do things. Well, next Labor, or Memorial Day weekend, next Saturday, May 25th, 2024, I'm going to be putting on the hike. We're going to start up at the VFW. Uh, 
We're going to walk through town, hit a couple spots for lunch, hit a park, do some games. We're going to walk through town. We're going to party. It's veterans only on the walk. And you don't be able to have that camaraderie and talk. So even though the walk isn't until May and Memorial Day, you guys are still kind of having your get-togethers. And, yeah. and and it's open to any veteran, right? Any veteran. Whether you, sir, I mean, if you're still from World War II, we'd love to meet you and just, just get to know you. Vietnam, Korea, Desert Storm 1, Desert Storm 2, the global war of terrorism. You're serving today. You're in ROTC, and you're getting ready to join. You signed your papers. You're welcome to join us. Seeing the young kids at these events that just came out of basic, and they were at home for three days, and like, oh, there's a hike. Great. I mean, it's fun to watch those guys because – we're going to give you a hard time. We're going to razz you. We're going we're to treat you like the private you are. Yeah. But right. at the end of the day, we're going to give you a big hug, tell you we love you, tell you, you know, you've always got a brotherhood or a sisterhood back here with us. Right now, I'm trying to watch some football together. That's a big one. You know, college football started up a little bit all around town. Like, I share HD Outdoors veteran shoot every fr- right. first Friday of the night. It's such a high being around those guys. And, Brian and Bob and John and Lindsay, such wonderful people to do that. Yeah. But the talks that we're sitting around BSing, talking hunting stories, talking, you know, just shooting the shooting the breeze. It's amazing. When you were out there, you said, "Man, it's been a long time since I've actually done this." <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I, and then you stepped up and you you know you cracked a few, but you could tell I that two out of twenty five. I well, all right, you, you I did get skunked. I did get skunked. <laughs> and but, I mean, in, in that kind of a situation, I, I know it's got to bring you know where you were and going through basic and you know just kind of bringing back memories like that and to be able to experience with the. Uh, bunch of guys that were out there it was, you know oh it's just cool. awesome because you know you take it serious you, you want to show yourself good right but, well you know that's the best part with those guys is they like to do that kind of stuff oh, and yeah. experienced or non-experienced you know they had the the guns and the the ammo that it's all provided because yeah. they want veterans just to come out they just want people to get together yeah. and it's a beautiful thing when you see guys that you don't know you walk up hey i'm so-and-so you shooting? Oh, uh, I think it was Tom, the old guy, is giving a hard time. He's like, oh, come on, rookie. I mm-hmm. mean, he's just razzing me. He's got 30 years on me, but he's yeah. uh, he's one of the greatest guys I've met because you just got that camaraderie. And we used yeah. humor to, you know, bond over. Well, it, it's always a good time. And, and, you know, not being a veteran and having friends that are veterans and getting to know all the, you know, these guys here in town, it's it's really nice, but to have that camaraderie, and that's what you're doing, Irreverent Warriors, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you to you know, see what's going on? Um, if you're a veteran, um, IW Wyoming on Facebook is how we communicate. You can look me up, Chad Griffin, uh, on Facebook. My phone number is 913-972-2285. Give me a call. Let me know you're out there. I mean, I'll go... Shoot darts, play pool, have a drink at the bar, and watch football, watch baseball, basketball, whatever. You just you want your shoulder. If, yeah. If somebody you want to go talk. for a walk, I got bad knees, but I'll walk it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, another way you can get out for more of the general public, Buffalo Warriors Ruck Club 
on Facebook. We're going to start doing rucks, which is basically a backpack. Throw a backpack, put a bottle of water in it for all I care. Right now, we're just going to do some town walks until it gets too cold. Depending on the weather over the winter, we'll do some quote-unquote hikes to coffee shops and breakfast places. Once the weather breaks next spring, we're going to get out in the mountains. We're going to go out, you know, walk four or five miles. But when we go out and have social events, everybody's welcome. Now, if you uh, want to reach out to Chad, you can hit us up on the My Country 95.5 app or the K2 radio app, and we will get uh, all your information and give it to Chad so that he can get in time contact with you. And then uh, that way you can get involved with this. If you're a vet, you're a recent uh, vet that has only been out for a little while, this could be a great way for you to kind of start you know, feeling what it's like to be a little bit in the normal frame of mind mm-hmm. with your comrades. Like I said, whatever you want to do, you want to go downtown to the quilt store and do a quilt. <laughs> I've never done a quilt, but I will go do a quilt with you. That's I'll what, be that day too because I'd like to see Chad doing uh, some quilt work. I, I will definitely take a picture for you, <laughs> Drew, and we will uh, we'll get that out on the Facebook. Awesome. But, well, Chad, man, we really appreciate it, and you know, want to talk to you more to. Absolutely. As we can kind of get uh, closer to the event and, you know, once we kind of get out there, and let's let's do that. And if you're a business that wants to help sponsor, we don't need a lot of money. 97 cents of every dollar we bring in goes to the hikes, to the organization. There's only three people in this organization that gets paid. Everything else is charity. I do this for free. All the other hike coordinators do them for free. Your money's well spent with us. Yeah, and again, just reach out on the the radio station's app and hit that message button and uh, send me a message. I'll get all the info over to Chad. But Chad, thank you, man. Drew, it's been an honor and a pleasure, and uh, I'm sure this is the last time we'll see. Hopefully we'll see you back out there in October out at Bob's Place. And if you're a veteran, whether you shoot or you don't shoot, come out to HD Outdoors. It is a blast because... Only so many people can shoot, and the rest of the time we're shooting the breeze and yeah. telling stories and enjoying a fresh cold drink, whether it's a soda or you want an adult beverage, bring it out. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, it's a good time. And you can go follow HD Outdoors Wyoming on uh, social media as well. Yep. So. All right, Chad. Thanks so much, Thank man. Thank you, Drew. It's been an honor. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.